Part One: Corporations, Introduction to Business Organizations. Every system of law that has attained a certain degree of maturity seems compelled by the everlasting complexity of human affairs to create persons who are not men, or rather, to recognize that such persons have come and are coming to, into existence, and to regulate their rights and duties. There is now a proliferation of business organizations with their own form and substance, advantages and disadvantages, and pertinent rules. Part One: Corporations, Introduction to Business Organizations. Every system of law that has attained a certain degree of maturity seems compelled by the everlasting complexity of human affairs to create persons who are not men. Or rather, to recognize that such persons have come, and are coming into existence, and to regulate their rights and duties, there is now a proliferation of business organizations with their own form and substance, advantages and disadvantages, and pertinent rules. If a person wants to engage in business, he must resolve the threshold problem of choosing the form of business organization. That he will use in his undertaking, his lawyer will be confronted with a situation where he will present alternative business forms and recommend what vehicle best suits his client. This introduction presents the basic types of business organizations. It is believed that by presenting the basic laws and jurisprudence on the different types of business organizations, one can arrive at a better understanding of the statutory rules. And jurisprudence on the corporate form. One, types of business organizations. The basic types of business organizations that are available in the country are the following: one, sole proprietorship; two, partnerships; three, joint accounts or cuentas en participación; four, business trusts; five. Joint venture, six cooperative, seven syndicate, and eight corporations. One a, when the Philippines was still under Spain, the Code of Commerce governed business organizations. The Code of Commerce provided for business organizations including, one, sociedad en comandita or limited partnership, two. Sociedad Regular Colectiva or General Partnership, three, Sociedad Anonima, and four, Sociedad de Cuentas and Participación, or Joint Accounts. The Code of Commerce provisions on Sociedad en Comandita and Sociedad Regular Colectiva were repealed by the new Civil Code, while the provisions on Sociedad Anonima were earlier repealed. By Section One Nine One of the Old Corporation Law or Act Number One Four Five Nine, only the provisions on Sociedad de Cuentas and Participación, or joint accounts, remain in our statute books. One B, the business organization under the Spanish regime that is an approximation and has an affinity with, but is not exactly the same as a corporation, is. Sociedad Anonima. For instance, the limited liability rule, to a certain extent, 
applicable to Sociedad Anonima. As mentioned earlier, the corporation law abrogated the rules allowing the creation of Sociedad Anonima. Those that were already in existence at the time of the enactment of the corporation law were allowed to formally organize into corporations or to continue as such. The purpose of the Philippine Commission in repealing this part of the Code of Commerce was to compel commercial entities thereafter organized to incorporate under the corporation law unless they should prefer to adopt some form of partnership. 1c. The corporation law likewise contains a provision to the effect that existing sociedades anonymas, which elected to continue their business as such, instead of reforming and reorganizing under the corporation law, should continue to be governed by the laws that were in force prior to the passage of Act Number 1459, quote, in relation to their organization and method of transacting business and to the rights of members thereof as between themselves. But their relations to the public and public officials shall be governed by the provisions, end quote, of the corporation law. In other words, the Sociedad Anonymous, which opted to continue as such, were already governed by the corporation law as to their relationship with the state. For instance, a Sociedad Anonima was no longer allowed to extend its term because extension of the term was not allowed under the corporation law. 2. Sole Proprietorship This is a form of business organization with only one proprietary owner. A single individual conducts business under his own name or under a business name. It has been said that the specialists of primitive society were the first sole proprietors. A sole proprietorship is the oldest, simplest, and most prevalent form of business enterprise. With the increasing complexity of everyday life came more specialists. As the business of these specialists or proprietors became more complex, so did the form of the business enterprise. 2a. A sole proprietorship may be the only choice for certain income-generating undertakings because there are activities that are not open to a corporate form. For instance, generally, the practice of profession cannot be undertaken using the corporate vehicle. Thus, lawyers and doctors cannot form a corporation for the purpose of practicing the respective professions. 2b. A sole proprietorship is neither a creature of statute nor of contract. Hence, it involves not of the complexity or expense required of business associations such as corporations and partnerships. The reportorial requirements imposed on corporations and registered partnerships do not apply to a sole proprietorship. 2c. In effect, a single proprietorship is an unorganized business owned by a person. The sole proprietor manages and exercises complete control over the conduct of his business. Only his or his agent's acts may bind the business. He is the only one to share in the profits. 
the individual proprietor is the only one who is personally liable for business debts. 2D. A sole proprietorship has no legal personality separate from its proprietor or owner of the enterprise. The owner has unlimited personal liability for all the debts and obligations of the business, and it is against him or her that a judgment against the enterprise is to be enforced. Under the same principle, a sole proprietorship has no legal personality to file or defend an action in court separate from the proprietor. The law merely recognizes the existence of a sole proprietorship as a form of business organization conducted for profit by a single individual and requires its proprietor owner to secure licenses and permits, register its business name, and pay taxes to the national government. The law does not vest a separate personality on the sole proprietorship or empower it to file or defend an action in court apart from the proprietor. 2e. Normally, the only available methods of obtaining funds for a single proprietorship are personal contributions of the proprietor and loans from financial institutions or private sources. Nevertheless, the proprietor's ability to borrow money is limited by the potential of the business, his credit standing, and the extent of his properties that may serve as a collateral. 2F. A sole proprietorship is totally dependent upon the life of the proprietor. Upon the proprietor's death or disability, business operations may cease. He will have to rely on his heirs or other interested persons in order to ensure that his business will continue after his death. However, if the goodwill of the business is inextricably linked to the proprietor, the business will wither and perish upon his death. 2G. The registration of the trade name in the name of one person, a woman, does not necessarily lead to the conclusion that the trademark as a property is hers alone, particularly when the woman is married. By law, all properties acquired during the marriage, whether the acquisition appears to have been made, contracted or registered in the name of one or both spouses, is presumed to be conjugal unless the contrary is established. 2H. There are instances, however, where the law treats sole proprietorships as organizations that are separate from natural persons. For example, under Republic Act Number 10142, otherwise known as the Financial Rehabilitation and Insolvency Act of 2010, the term debtor refers to a sole proprietorship duly registered with the Department of Trade and Industry, a partnership duly registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, a corporation duly organized and existing under the Philippine laws, or an individual debtor who has become insolvent. The definition indicates that an individual debtor is separately from a sole proprietorship. Thus, only an individual debtor can file a petition for suspension of payments while a sole proprietorship is not given such right. However, only a sole proprietorship can file a petition for rehabilitation while an individual debtor cannot file such petition.
business name. A single proprietor may do business under a business name. However, doing business under name does not create an entity distinct from the person operating the business. The individual who does business as a sole proprietor under one or several names remains personally liable for his or her obligations. A business name refers to any name that is different from the true name of an individual which is used or signed in connection with his or her business on any written or printed receipts, including receipts for business taxes, duties and fees, and with roll or delivery receipts. Any written or printed evidence of any agreement or business transaction and any billboard conspicuously exhibited in plain view in or at the place of his or her business or elsewhere announcing her business. When a proprietor uses another name other than his or her true name as a business name, he or she is required to register his or her business name, firm name, or style with the Bureau of Trade Regulation and Consumer Protection of the Department of Trade and Industry pursuant to Section 1 of Act Number 3883, otherwise known as the Business Name Law. Business Name Law Section 1 It shall be unlawful for any person to use or sign on any written or printed receipt, including receipt for tax on business, or on any written or printed contract not verified by a notary public, or on any written or printed evidence of any agreement or business transactions, any name used in connection with his business other than his true name, or keep conspicuously exhibited in plain view in or at the place where his business is concluded. If he is engaged in a business, any sign announcing a firm name or business name or style without first registering such other name or such firm name or business name or style in the Bureau of Commerce, now Department of Trade and Industry, together with his true name and that of any other person having a joint or common interest with him in such contract, agreement, business transaction, or business as amended by Act Number 4147. Business Name Law Section 2 The Director of Commerce, now Secretary of Trade and Industry, shall collect a registration fee of 10 pesos for each name registered, renewable every five years. Such renewal to be made during the first three months following the expiration of the five-year period from the date of original registration. The fee for each renewal registration shall also be 10 pesos if renewed within the said three months. Otherwise, a surcharge of 50% shall be added in case of delinquency. It shall be the duty of the Director of Commerce, now Secretary of Trade and Industry, to satisfy himself before effecting any original or renewal registration concerning the identity and citizenship of the person or persons for whose registration is to be made under this act, 
Hereafter, renewal registration shall be made in accordance with the provisions of this Act, as amended by Republic Act Number 863. Business Name Law Section 3 The Director of the Bureau of Commerce and Industry, now Secretary of Trade and Industry, shall from time to time make such rules and regulations as he may deem necessary for the efficient executions of the provisions of this Act. Business Name Law Section 4 Any person violating the provisions of Section 1 of this Act shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor, and upon conviction thereof shall be fined not less than 50 pesos, and not more than 200 pesos, or imprisoned not less than 20 days, and not more than 3 months, or both, in the discretion of the court. Section 5 this Act shall take effect upon its approval. Business Name C. A proprietor who does not register his or her business name as required under Act Number 3883 is subject to the following prohibitions. 1. He or she cannot use or sign the business name in connection with his or her business on any written or printed receipts or any evidence of agreement or other documents, and 2. He or she cannot exhibit the business name or sign thereof in plain view. Business Name D. Rule 4 of Department Administrative Order Number 18-07, Series of 2018, dated August 13, 2018, issued by the Department of Trade and Industry, Revised Rules and Regulations Implementing Act Number 3883 states that a business name should be comprised of the quote-unquote dominant portion, which is a word or group of words or a combination of letters and numerals, and the quote-unquote descriptor, which is a word or group of words describing the nature of business based on the Philippine Standard Industrial Classification, or the PSIC. Section 3 of the same Rule 4 provides that the following words or group of words shall not be registered as business name. 1. Those that connote activities or norms that are unlawful, immoral, scandalous, or contrary to propriety. 2. Those names, words, terms, or expressions used to designate or distinguish or suggestive of quality of any class of goods, articles, merchandise, products, or services. 3. Those that are registered as trade names, trademarks, or any business names by any government agency, authorized to register names or trademarks. 4 those that are inimical to the security of the state. 5. Those that are composed purely of generic word or words. 6. Those that by law or regulation are restricted or cannot be appropriated. 7. Those that are officially used by the government in its non-proprietary functions. 8. Those names or abbreviations of any nation, intergovernmental, or international organization unless authorized by competent authority of that nation, intergovernment, or international organization. 9. 
those ordered or declared by administrative agencies or bodies or regular court not to be registered. 10. Those names of other persons. 11. Those names which are deceptive, misleading, or which misrepresent the nature of the business. Business name E. Paragraph 4 of the SEC Memorandum Circular Number 13, Series of 2019, dated June 21, 2019, entitled Amended Guidelines and Procedures on the Use of Corporate and Partnership Names, provides that a business or trade name which is different from the corporate or partnership name shall be indicated in the articles of the incorporation or partnership. It is further provided therein that a company may have one or more business or trade name. If, however, a corporation has no business name, its corporate name is still protected under the law. Business Name F It should also be noted that a DTI Certificate of Business Name must be submitted to the Bureau of Internal Revenue, or the BIR, before the latter can issue a Certificate of Registration. Business Name G the use of the DTI-issued Certificate of Business Name Registration by any person other than a registered owner for whatever purpose is prohibited. The certificate is valid for a period of five years from the date of the issuance of thereof. The registration may be renewed within 90 calendar days after its expiration, called regular filing. The registration shall be automatically cancelled if the registrant fails to file an application for renewal within the next 90 calendar day grace period from the time of expiration of the period for regular filing. Merchant The Code of Commerce provides rules on merchants. Although the concept of merchant is now rendered obsolete by provisions of other laws that provide for different qualifications and requirements for engaging in commerce, it is important to note that such term is still referred to in the Code of Commerce provisions that are still in force. For instance, the Code of Commerce provisions on joint accounts that are still in force use the term merchant. Article 1. For purposes of this code, merchants are 1. Those who, having legal capacity to engage in commerce, habitually devote themselves to it. 2. The commercial or industrial companies which may be created in accordance with this code existing legislation. Article 2. Acts of commerce, whether those who execute them be merchants or not and whether specified in this code or not, should be governed by the provisions contained in it, in their absence by the usages of commerce generally observed in each place, and in the absence of both rules by those of the civil law. Those acts contained in this code and all others of analogous character shall be deemed acts of commerce. Article 3. The legal presumption of habitually engaging in commerce shall exist from the moment the person who intends to engage therein announces through circulars, newspapers, handbills, posters exhibited to the public, or in any manner whatsoever, an establishment which has for its object 
some commercial operation. Article 4. Persons who possess the following qualifications shall have legal capacity to habitually engage in commerce. 1. Having completed the age of 21 years. 2. Not being subject to the authority of the father or of the mother, nor to marital authority. 3. Having the free disposition of their property. Article 13. The following may not engage in commerce, nor hold office, or have any direct administrative or financial intervention in commercial or industrial companies. 1. Those sentenced to the penalty of civil interdiction, while they have not served their sentence or have not been amnestied or pardoned. 2. Those declared bankrupt, while they have not obtained their discharge or have not been authorized by virtue of an agreement accepted at a general meeting of creditors and approved by judicial authority to continue at the head of the establishment, the authority being understood in such case as limited to that expressed in the agreement. 3. Those who account of special laws or provisions cannot trade. Article 15. Foreigners and companies created abroad may engage in commerce in the Philippines, subject to the laws of their country with respect to their capacity to contract and to the provisions of this code as regard the creation of their establishments in the Philippine territory, their mercantile operations, and the jurisdiction of the courts of the nation. The provisions of the article shall be understood to be without prejudice to what, in particular cases, may be established by treaties or agreements with other powers. Merchant B. Article 14 of the Code of Commerce enumerates the persons who are subject to relative disqualification. Article 14. The following cannot engage in mercantile profession in person or through another, nor hold office or have any direct administrative or financial intervention in commercial or industrial associations within the limits of the districts, provinces, or towns in which they discharge their duties. 1. Justices, judges, and officials of the fiscal's office in active service. This provision shall not be applicable to the municipal mayors, judges, and prosecuting attorneys, nor to those who may temporarily discharge judicial or prosecution duties. 2. Administrative, economic, or military heads of districts, provinces, or posts. 3. Those employed in the collection and administration of funds of the state, appointed by the government. Those who administer and collect under contract and their representative are accepted. 4. Stock and commercial brokers of whatever class they may be. 5. Those who, under special laws and provisions, cannot trade in specified territory. Merchant C. 1. The Supreme Court likewise explained in Berin v. Barte that Rule 5.02 of the Code of Judicial Conduct, which took effect on October 20, 1989, supplies the void left by the abrogation of Article 14 of the Spanish Code of Commerce. Rule 5.02 provides that a 
judge shall refrain from financial business dealings that tend to reflect adversely on the court's impartiality, interfere with the proper performance of judicial activities, or increase involvement with lawyers or persons likely to come before the court. A judge should manage investments and other financial interests as to minimize the number of cases giving grounds for disqualification. Nevertheless, under Rule 5.03, a judge may hold and manage investments but should not serve as an officer, director, manager, advisor, or employee of any business except as a director of a family business of the judge. Merchant C. 2. While it may be true that Macariola v. Asuncion and Birin v. Barte involve only the relative disqualification of judges, it is believed that all other disqualifications in Article 14 are no longer in force because it is Article 14 itself, which is in the nature of political law, that was abrogated. As explained in Macariola v. Asuncion, Quote, Upon the transfer of sovereignty from Spain to the United States, and later on from the United States to the Republic of the Philippines, Article 14 of this Code of Commerce must be deemed to have been abrogated because where there is a change of sovereignty, the political laws of the former sovereign, whether compatible or not with those of this new sovereign, are automatically abrogated unless they are expressed reenacted by affirmative act of the new sovereign, end quote. Nevertheless, in relation to Judges Birin versus Parte, states that Rule 5.02 of the Code of Judicial Conduct supplies the void left by the abrogation of Article 14. Merchant C3. With respect to other government officers, the void left by the abrogation of Article 14 is filled by Republic Act Number 3019, as amended, otherwise known as the Anti-Graft and Corruption Practices Act, and Republic Act Number 6713, otherwise known as the Conduct and Ethical Standards for Public Official and Employees. 2.03 Disqualifications under the Constitution The Constitution prohibits a number of government officers from engaging in business or profession, from entering into certain contracts, or being financially interested in specified transactions. These persons and their disqualifications are as follows. Senators and congressmen are enjoined not to be directly or indirectly interested financially in any contract with or in any franchise or special privilege granted by the government during his term of office. He shall not intervene in any matter before any office of the government for his pecuniary benefit or where he may be called upon to act on his office. 2. The President, Vice President, members of the Cabinet and their deputies or assistants are prohibited during their tenure from practicing any profession, participate in any business, be financially interested in any contract or franchise granted by the government. They are also required to avoid conflict of interest in the conduct of their office. 3. 
members of the Constitutional Commissions are not allowed to engage in the practice of any profession or active management of any business that may be affected by the function of his office. They are also not allowed to be financially interested with any contract or franchise with the government. 4. The President, Vice President, members of the Cabinet, Congress, Supreme Court and the Constitutional Commissions, Ombudsman, are prohibited during their tenure from obtaining any loan, guarantee, or other form of financial accommodation for any business purpose from any government-owned or controlled bank. 5. The practice of profession is limited to the Filipino citizens, save in cases prescribed by law. The 11th Foreign Negative List, EO No. 65, Series of 2018, recognizes that foreigners are now allowed by different laws to practice a number of professions. Partnership Under the Civil Code, there is a partnership when two or more persons bind themselves to contribute money, property, or industry to a common fund with the intention of dividing the profits among themselves. The partnership exists even if the partners do not use the word partnership and partners. The elements of the contract are as follows. 1. Two or more persons bound themselves to contribute money, property, or industry to a common fund and 2. They intend to divide the profits among themselves. Partnerships A. Registration with the Securities and Exchange Commission is necessary where the capital of the partnership is 3,000 pesos or more. However, the juridical personality still exists, even if not registered with the SEC. Mere failure to register with the SEC does not invalidate a contract that has all essential requisites of a partnership. The purpose of registration is to give notice to third parties. Failure to register the contract does not affect the ability of the partnership and of the partners to the third persons. Partnership B the basic requirements for the registration of a partnership with the SEC are as follows. 1. Name verification slip. 2. Articles of partnership. And 3. Affidavit of a partner undertaking to change the business partnership name if the name already belongs to another person or entity. 1. The partnership name shall bear the word company or co. And if it is limited partnership, the word limited or LTD. A professional partnership name may bear the word company, associates, or partners, or other similar descriptions. 2. Additionally, partnerships may be required to secure an endorsement or clearance from other government agencies, like the Insurance Commission, if applicable. Foreign partners must submit a bank certificate on the capital contribution of the partners. Partnership C. A partnership may be distinguished from a corporation in this wise. 1. As to manner of creation. 2. As to the number of organizers. 3. As to powers. 4. Authority of those who compose. 5. 
transfer of interest. 6. As to liability of those who compose. 7. Right of succession. 8. As to capacity to be partner or stockholder. C1. As to manner of creation. Partnership is created by mere agreement while the existence of the corporation commences only from the issuance of a certificate of incorporation by the SEC or, in proper cases, passage of a law. C2. As to the number of organizers. Two or more persons may form a partnership while in the case of a corporation, a single person may form a corporation called a one-person corporation under Republic Act Number no. 1, 1, 2, 3, 2, or the Revised Corporation Code of the Philippines, RCCP. Note, the requirement under Batas Pambansa Bilang 68, the Corporation Code of the Philippines, that there be at least five incorporators to form a corporation was deleted under the RCCP. C3. As to powers, a corporation is more restricted in its powers because of its limited personality, while a partnership is subject only to such limitations as may be agreed upon by the partners. C4. Authority of those who compose. There is mutual agency in partnership and each general partner can represent and bind the partnership while stockholders are not agents of the corporation in the absence of express authority. C5. Transfer of interest. Corporate shares are freely transferable without the consent of other stockholders unless there is a stipulation while interest in the partnership cannot be transferred without the consent of other partners. C6. As to liability of those who compose, the liability of stockholders and members for corporate obligations is limited to their investment, while partners may be liable beyond their investment. C7. Right of succession. Unlike in a corporation, there is no right of succession in a partnership, as death of a general partner dissolves the partnership. C8. As to capacity to be partner or stockholder, a partnership can be an incorporator or stockholder of a corporation, Section 10 of the RCCP, and under Section 35 of the RCCP, a corporation can now also enter into a partnership or joint venture. 4. Joint Accounts Sociedad de Cuentas and Participación a joint account is present when there is an arrangement whereby merchants may interest themselves in the transaction of other merchants, contributing thereto the amount of capital they may agree upon, and participating in the favorable and unfavorable results thereof in the proportion they may determine. This is also commonly called as accidental partnership. 4a. In Burns v. D. M. Carman et al., the Supreme Court defined a joint account as a partnership constituted in such a manner that, quote, the existence of which is only known to those who had an interest in the same, there being no mutual agreements between the partners, and without a corporate name indicating to the public in some way that there 
were other people besides the one who ostensibly managed and conducted the business, end quote. Such is exactly the accidental partnership of cuentas and participación defined in Article 239 of the Code of Commerce. 4b. Joint accounts may be distinguished from partnerships as follows. 1. As to juridical personality. 2. As to business name. 3. As to management. 4. As to parties in cases. B1. As to juridical personality, a joint account has no juridical personality, while a partnership has a personality separate and distinct from the partners. B2. As to business name, no commercial name common to all participants can be adopted in joint accounts. A partnership can adopt a partnership name. B3. As to management, the general partners are all managers in partnership, while in a joint account, only the ostensible partner manages and transacts business in his own name and under his individual liability. B4. As to parties in cases, in a joint account, only the ostensible partner, the person carrying on the joint business, can be sued by and is liable to persons transacting with the former. In partnership, all general partners may be liable even up to the extent of their personal properties and may therefore be sued by third persons. 4c. The Code of Commerce provisions on joint accounts are Articles 239 to 243, which state as follows. Article 239. Merchants may interest themselves in the transaction of other merchants, contributing thereto the amount of capital they may agree upon, and participating in the unfavorable or favorable results thereof in the proportion they may determine. Article 240. With regard to their formation, joint accounts shall not be subjected to any formality, and may be privately contracted orally, or in writing, and their existence may be proved by any of the means accepted by law in accordance with the provisions of Article 51. Article 241. In the transactions treated of in the foregoing articles, no commercial name common to all the participants can be adopted, nor can any further direct credit be made use of except that of the merchant who transacts and manages the business in his own name and under his individual liability. Article 242. Persons transacting business with a merchant carrying on the joint business shall only have a right of action against the latter and not against the other persons interested, and the latter, on the other hand, shall have no right of action against the third person who made the transaction with the manager unless said manager formally cedes his rights to them. Article 243. The manager shall effect the liquidation, and after the transactions have concluded, he shall render a proper account of its results. 4. D. 
The duty to liquidate is imposed on the manager under Article 243 of the Code of Commerce. The express statutory obligation imposed upon the manager makes it an imperative obligation for the manager to proceed without delay to the liquidation of the joint account and to account the proceeds of the liquidation to the partners. If the manager failed to comply with his statutory duty to account the proceeds to the partners, the partners are entitled to find an action to compel an accounting and the payment of the respective shares of the capital invested together with the damages. 4e. In the case of liquidation of a joint account partnership, the sale of the firm assets is necessarily uncertain and eventual because the selling price that may be obtained from the property and effects that compromise such assets is uncertain. Hence, the price received should be allotted in the same proportion as that fixed in the contract for the division of the profits and losses, for otherwise one of the partners would be benefited to the detriment and loss of his co-partners. 4F. For instance, if it is duly and fully proved that the managing firm acquired realty in the name and at the expense of the joint account partnership with the firm, it is just that, in liquidating the property of common ownership, such realty should be divided between the partners in the same manner as were the profits and losses during the existence of the business, from the beginning of the partnership to the date of its dissolution. This doctrine is perfectly legal and in accord with the justice, as no person should enrich himself wrongfully at the expense of another. 5. Business Trust It is a legal relation whereby one person, called a trustor, conveys a property to another for the benefit of a person called a beneficiary. The person in whom confidence is reposed as regards the property is called the trustee. 5a. Trusts are either expressed or implied. Express trusts are created by the intention of the trustor or of the parties. Implied trust comes into being by operation of law. 5b. There are only few provisions on express trust under the new civil code. However, the new civil code adopts the principle of general law of trusts insofar as they are not in conflict with the said code, the code of commerce, the rules of court, and special laws. Generally, the rights and obligations of the parties are expressly provided for in their agreement called a trust agreement. 5c. A trust agreement can actually be entered into with a trust department of a commercial or universal bank. Pertinent regulations issued by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas define the term trust business as any activity resulting from a trust or trustee relationship or a trusteeship involving the appointment of a trustee by a trustor for the administration holding management of funds and or properties of the trustor by the trustee for the use, benefit, 
or advantage of the trustor or of others called beneficiaries. 4D. In the United States, a business trust is called the Massachusetts Trust because they were developed in the Massachusetts. It is defined as an unincorporated business association established by a declaration or deed of trust and governed to a great extent by the general law of trust. Legal title is with the trustee who holds and manages the property for the benefit of members who are beneficiaries of the trust with equitable interests, usually represented by transferable certificates. 5e. A real estate investment trust within the contemplation of Republic Act Number no. 9856, otherwise known as the Real Estate Investment Trust, REIT Act of 2009, has certain features of a business trust. However, AREIT is not a real business trust. AREIT, quote, is a stock corporation established in accordance with the Corporation Code of the Philippines and the rules and regulations promulgated by the Commission, SEC, principally for the purpose of owning income-generating real estate assets, end quote. The law clarifies that, quote, AREIT, although designated as a trust, does not have the same technical meaning as trust under existing laws and regulations, but is used for the sole purpose of adopting the internationally accepted description of the company in accordance with global best practices, end quote. 6. Joint Venture Joint Venture is an association of persons or companies jointly undertaking some commercial enterprise. Generally, all contribute assets and share risks. It requires a community interest in the performance of the subject, a right to direct and govern the policy connected therewith, and duty which may be altered by agreement to share both in profit and losses. 6a. Rationale for Joint Ventures Joint ventures are used as a business organization for the following reasons. 1. Joint ventures reduce the investment required of any one company and distribute the risk of undertaking an expensive and risky venture because some projects are of such magnitude that they strain the financial reserves of corporations. 2. Joint ventures pool know-how, thereby permitting the members to achieve diversification that it would have difficulty achieving alone. 3. A member of the joint venture may gain possible legal, political, or public relations advantages by organizing and incorporating where activities are to be conducted, and 4. A member may avoid government scrutiny of corporate expansion. 6b. In Arabac versus Sanitary Wares Manufacturing Corporation, the Supreme Court adopted the view that a joint venture is an organization formed for some type of temporary purpose. Quote, 
it is hardly distinguishable from the partnership since their elements are similar. Community of interest in the business, sharing profits and losses, and mutual right of control. End quote. It was further explained that, quote, it seemed that under Philippine law, a joint venture is a form of partnership and should thus be governed by the law of partnerships. End quote. 6c. It is the substance rather than the form of the agreement that determines if the parties entered into a joint venture agreement. The intention of the parties that is reflected in the agreement governs. Hence, even if the parties call the agreement a power of attorney, the agreement may also be considered a joint venture agreement if the terms and conditions thereof indicate that it is a joint venture agreement. 6d. Corporations can enter into joint venture agreements. Two or more corporations may enter into a joint venture through a contract or agreement if the nature of the venture is in line with the business authorized by their charters. The contract or agreement need not be registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission provided that the joint venture will not result in the formation of a partnership or corporation. 6e. It follows that joint ventures may result in the formation of a joint venture corporation. In such case, it must comply with applicable nationalization laws. In addition, the joint venture may give certain shareholders or groups of shareholders power to select or nominate a specified number of directors, give to the shareholders control over the selection and retention of employees, or set up procedure for settlement of disputes. 6F. However, the joint venture corporation itself is subject to corporate law, not to partnership law. The Supreme Court explained, quote, By choosing to adopt a corporate entity as the medium to pursue the joint venture enterprise, the parties to the joint venture are bound by corporate law principles under which the entity must operate. Among these principles is the limited liability doctrine. The use of a joint venture corporation allows the co-venturers to full advantage of the limited liability feature of the corporate vehicle, which is not present in a formal partnership agreement. End quote. The parties to the joint venture agreement cannot cite the provisions of the law on partnership with respect to the corporation itself and its relationship with its shareholders. 6G. It follows that violation of the provisions of the joint venture agreement will not necessarily prejudice subsequent shareholders who are not parties thereto. For example, the provisions of the joint venture agreement granting preference to holders of certain shares which are not reproduced in the Articles of Incorporations and the certificates will not be binding on creditors and other shareholders who are not part of the agreement. 7a. The governing law is Republic Act Number 9520, otherwise known as the Philippine Cooperative Code of 2008, 
Article 2 of the said law states that it is, quote, the declared policy of the state to foster the creation and growth of cooperatives as a practical vehicle for prompting self-reliance and harnessing people power towards the attainment of economic development and social justice. The state encourages the private sector to undertake the actual formation and organization to cooperatives and endeavors to create an atmosphere that is conducive to the growth and development of these cooperatives, end quote. 7b. It is also declared as a policy that the government and all its branches, subdivisions, instrumentalities, and agencies shall ensure the provision of technical guidance, financial assistance, and other services to enable said cooperatives to develop into viable and responsive economic enterprises and thereby bring about a strong cooperative movement that is free from any conditions that might infringe upon the autonomy or organizational integrity of cooperatives. 7c. Further, the state recognizes the principle of subsidiarity under which the cooperative sector will initiate and regulate within its own ranks the promotion and organization, training and research, audit and support services relating to the cooperatives with government assistance where necessary. 7d. Although cooperatives are not primarily governed by the corporation code, they are also treated as a corporate entity with their own acts and liabilities. A cooperative is vested with powers and capacities under Article 9 of the Philippine Cooperative Code of 2008, including the power to the exclusive use of its registered name, the power to sue and be sued, and the right of succession. The law also expressly provides that a duly registered cooperative shall have limited liability. 7e. It is the General Assembly that is the highest policy-making body of the cooperative. On the other hand, the Board of Directors of a cooperative shall be responsible for the cooperative's strategic planning, direction setting, and policy formulation activities. 8. Syndicate. A syndicate is a group of people who come together to work for a common aim. This unincorporated business association is often encountered among insurance companies who may be underwriting a large risk or banks that are lending a huge amount. Syndication is therefore the practice of dividing investment risk between several persons in order to minimize individual risk. 8a. It has been observed that as banks have gotten bigger, so have their lending limits. But there may be times when a credit facility exceeds the lending limit of one bank. Banks also wish to diversify their loan portfolios and may not wish to extend credit to one borrower up to the maximum legal amount. In such cases, the lead lender may sell participating interests in the loan to other lenders or may arrange a syndicated credit facility. It was explained further that a syndicated loan, each lender is a member of the syndicate and a party to loan documents.
the borrower has a direct contractual relationship with each member of the lending syndicate. Syndicated credit facilities often involved a revolving credit arrangement used by the borrower for working capital and a term loan that is used to refinance the borrower's existing debt. 8b. In syndicated loans, the lead bank may initially be the only lender. However, it may not have sufficient available cash to lend the whole amount needed by the borrower. Thus, after extending the loan to the borrower to partially cover the latter's needs, the lead bank may propose loan syndication to other banks with the undertaking to share the collateral that was already given by the borrower. The agreement to share the collateral is perfected the moment there is a meeting of minds thereon among the participating banks, and the same agreement is consummated with the execution of documents contemplated like a, quote, mortgage trust indenture, end quote, or a, quote, joint real estate mortgage, end quote. 9. Homeowners Associations Homeowners associations may require juridical personality and corporate powers. Homeowners association is defined as Association refers to the homeowners association which is a non-stock, non-profit corporation registered with the Housing and Land Use Regulatory Board or the HLURB or one previously registered with the Home Insurance Guarantee Corporation, now the Home Guarantee Corporation, or the Securities and Exchange Commission, organized by owners or purchasers of a lot in a subdivision or village or other residential real property located within the jurisdiction of the association, or awardees, usufructuaries, legal occupants, and or lessees of a housing unit and or a lot in a government socialized or economic housing or relocation project and other urban estates or underprivileged and homeless citizens as defined under existing laws in the process of being accredited as usufructuaries or awardees of ownership rights under the Community Mortgage Program, CMP, Land Tenure Assistance Program, LTAP, and other similar programs in relation to a socialized housing project actually being implemented by the national government or the LGU. 9a. Registration of a Homeowners Association is with the Housing and Land Use Regulatory Board, or the HLURB. This authority extends to all associations, federations, confederations, or umbrella organizations of the associations. The governing law is Republic Act Number no. 9904, otherwise known as the Magna Carta for Homeowners and Homeowners Associations. The underlying state policy is stated in Section 2 of Republic Act Number no. 9904 that states, Declaration of Policy In fulfillment of the constitutional principles directing the state to encourage, promote, and respect non-governmental community-based 
and people's organizations in serving their legitimate collective interests in our participatory democracy. It is hereby declared the policy of the state to uphold the rights of the people to form unions, associations, or societies, and to recognize and promote the rights and roles of homeowners and individuals as members of the society and of homeowners' associations. To this end, the state shall endeavor to make available resources and assistance that will help them fulfill the roles in serving the needs and interests of their communities. In complementing the efforts of the local government units, in providing vital and basic services to the citizens, and in helping implement local and national government policies, programs, rules, and ordinances for the development of the nation. 9b. Originally, homeowners associations were within the regulatory powers of the SEC, pursuant to Section 2 of Executive Order Number 535. These powers were later transferred to the Home Insurance and Guarantee Corporation, or the HIGC. In 2000, the powers and responsibilities over the homeowners associations were transferred by Section 26 of the Home Guarantee Corporation Act of 2000, or Republic Act Number 8763, to the Housing and Land Use Regulatory Board, or the HLURB. 9c. The HLURB is also vested with the quasi-judicial functions regarding homeowners associations in subdivisions and condominiums. For instance, it has exclusive jurisdiction over controversies between homeowners and its members. 9d. The term homeowners, as contemplated under the special law, includes 1. An owner or purchaser of a lot in a subdivision or village. 2. An awardee, usufructuary, or legal occupant of a unit, house, and or lot in a government socialized or economic housing or relocation project and other urban estates. Or 3. An informal settler in the process of being accredited as a beneficiary or awardee of ownership of rights under the CMP, LTAP, and other similar programs. 10. Unincorporated Associations Unincorporated associations or organizations of persons that do not claim to be a part of a corporation may also act as a group in pursuing certain activities. Even if unregistered, the members of an association or organization by agreement may perform acts not contrary to law, morals, good customs, public order, or public policy. The applicable law or rule would depend on the circumstances. Thus, in some cases, the new civil code provisions on partnership or agency may apply depending on the express or implied agreement of the parties. In other cases, the members of these unincorporated associations or organizations may all sign an agreement as parties, but may expressly provide for joint creditors and or debtors or solidary creditors and or debtors. 10a. The rules of court recognize the existence of associations 
or entity without juridical personality by providing in Section 8 of Rule 14 thereof the rule on service of summons thereto.